Please welcome Barry J. Thompson. I love the Bulls. Keep them coming. I'm here to introduce the man who's going to lead Team SmackDown into a win overall in this Sunday's bragging rights. Yeah, y'all know who I'm talking about. My man, the world's largest athlete and my co-star in Knucklehead. Everybody give it up for the big show. Hello and welcome to another Camel Clutch Cinema. This is the podcast where we talk about movies that either star wrestling or feature wrestling as part of the plot. And today's movie is Knucklehead, starring the big show. Craig Cohen, what do you think of the big show? I think he's big. This is an interesting wrestler. I mean, this is a guy who started out as Andre the Giant's son in WCW. Yeah, often billed as son of Andre. Yeah. and uh, I guess until somebody finally put a stop to it. Yeah, because I don't know why. He wrestled Hulk Hogan when he first started. Yeah. I mean, that was one of his first feuds uh, over in WCW. And I honestly, truly believe that Hulk Hogan should have been like, look. We're not doing this. We're not going to do this. Andre gave me the rub at WrestleMania 3. We're not going to do this game. But I guess Hogan thought it was business. Maybe Andre would have gone along with it. And thus, Paul White became the giant. And then moved to WWF at the time and became the Big Show, which is a name that still seems kind of silly to me. Yeah. And that is the name he used in his starring debut in Knucklehead. This wasn't his first film, though. He had appeared in, in a handful of other films, including Adam Sandler's uh, Waterboy. He's got, a, he's got a part as basically a version of himself in that. I think he's Captain Insano. Okay, yeah. Tell me about this film. Who directed this? Uh, it was directed by a gentleman named Michael Watkins, who looks like he cut his teeth in TV. He uh, directed uh, episodes of The X-Files, NYPD Blue, Monk, Law and Order. Uh, most recently, The Royal Pains with the star of this movie, uh, Mark Feuerstein. And he also is a cinematographer, and he worked on some, some shows in the 80s, most notably Quantum Leap and Scarecrow and Mrs. King. All right, so we've got the cast in this. You've got the big show is is essentially the main character. He's not billed first because there's some real heavy-duty actors in this, but you've got... Mark Feuerstein, Melora Hardin, and you get Dennis Farina in this, and a few others, which we'll talk about throughout it. Uh, this film didn't really come out in theaters. It kind of did. It technically did, but it really didn't. Yeah, this followed that same model that Legendary would do and most of the WWE films would do from that point on, where it opened in under under 10 theaters yeah, and, and then, then was out late. on DVD the next week. Right. So, yeah, interesting. What was uh, What was in the theater at this time? Uh, the number one film the week it came out was Paranormal Activity 2. Okay, I never saw that. Neither did I. Uh, I guess we're the only two people in the country that, that haven't seen that movie. Must have been big. Was I don't even I don't even think I saw Paranormal Activity. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen any of them. And I think, uh, How many are there? I think there's a fourth one coming out. God, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's like the new Saw. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen those yet, but I did buy those. I know you saw them. You recommended some of them to me, and I, I've purchased some of them and just have never, not gotten the gumption up. Maybe a Halloween night. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, that That's the definitely the time of year to do stuff like that. So Knucklehead. And weirdly enough, this past uh, 
uh, I don't know, I guess summer they had the three stooges on raw, but it wasn't the three stooges, obviously, but it was the guys who play them in the new movie. Uh, interesting knucklehead is a term incredibly associated with the three stooges. Uh, shame that this did not come out around the same time. They could have really done some mega promotion, but that didn't keep them from getting some craziness going on in the WWE Raw flagship show. Yeah. All right, Craig, hit us with a plot summary. All right. When 35-year-old orphan Walter Crunk destroys the orphanage kitchen, he has 10 days to raise the money to save the orphanage where he grew up from closing down. Meanwhile, Eddie Sullivan, a manager for fighters, is in debt to Memphis Earl. Walter and Eddie join forces in order to solve their problems by becoming a team of a fighter and his manager. Together with Mary O'Connor, a worker at the orphanage, they conquer the world of amateur wrestling and choking out bears with one goal in mind, winning the tournament in New Orleans to get the trophy and the $100,000 that goes along with it. Very good. I think this is the first uh, comedy, full-fledged comedy, that WWE Films did. It depends on whether you want to count... uh... No holds barred. But I think now they'd like to consider that a comedy, but definitely at the time they didn't. So it's an interesting film. Uh, interesting casting of the big show to be in the lead. Probably the best person you would have for it. So the film starts out. They've got this big school play scene. This is the thing you see in all the trailers and commercials before it came out. And this was the big show wearing a crazy wig. <laughs> And uh, he's wearing like a ballerina costume and he's flying. He's like in a school place, flying above everything. And this is one of the first shots we see in the film. And he's, hello, I'm the good witch. Yeah. And at this point, you're wondering, or at least I was wondering, if Big Show was just going to be in Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire mode this whole movie. Well, I actually was thinking Robin Williams Jack for this entire movie. When I first saw this, one of the things I was confused about in the posters was that he had the beard because I thought the the joke was that they were having the big show play like a 10-year-old kid in this, that he was just a 10-year-old kid that was gigantic. Yeah. And as I'm watching this opening scene the first time, I'm thinking – I think maybe he's supposed to be, you know, maybe like Jack, you know, the Robin Williams film where he's an adult that's uh, that's actually a child, but, you know, has some kind of growth issue. Uh, but but no, he's like, you know, a 35 year old dude. Yeah. I like that scene. I like that scene. Then they go to another scene that I like, which is at the gym where we see Eddie. We see Eddie's father and we see Memphis Earl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dennis Farina as uh, Memphis Earl and uh, Eddie. Um, played by uh, Mark, Mark Feuerstein. Right, and, and then and, and the Will Patton as Eddie's father. And so Dennis Farina and Will Patton, these are two heavy hitters. I mean, these are guys with 100-plus with credits each. Yeah, and, and this is also, I guess, the start of that WWE film's plan to just load up the films with recognizable name actors to, to put around um, the wrestlers. And it seems like the, the further they get into making movies, the more removed they get from actually having wrestlers in them. Yeah, yeah. It seems like that's, you know, what they want to do now. I know their newest film, I think it's called The Day, is one that they actually bought. They, you know, the film was completed before they purchased it. But yeah, they're, they're, they're certainly getting away from having, having wrestlers as leads. But this one, 
we do get some great names. Dennis Farina was in Get Shorty, was in Law and Order, was in a, a million other movies. And then Will Patton is a guy that I've, I've seen a lot. And unlike Dennis Farina, I didn't know his name before I looked him up for this movie, but he, he was in Remember the Titans. He was in Armageddon. He was in The Postman. But I did find an interesting connection with him in The Punisher. You remember him in The Punisher? Oh, yeah. He was uh, Travolta's right-hand man. Right. And this is so this is the uh, like 2004 version, which also features Kevin Nash as a crazy Russian thug. Yes. Wow. So, a, a, a connection. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think of that when I was watching this movie. Yeah. So it's very interesting. We have another great scene right after this. This is where we meet Henry, the, the little orphan that's hanging out at the orphanage. I guess Big Show's best friend, kid that just kind of likes to sit there and play video games a lot. Walter's cooking, and then in the bathroom is Wendy Malick as sister Francesca. Yeah, and, and they go for the, the old gag where you they do the switch where you, you think it's Big Show in the bathroom and then it turns out to be someone else. Yeah, there's, uh, there's the loud, gaseous eruptions emanating from the bathroom, and then sister Wendy Malick comes out. Wendy Malick, very attractive woman, has been acting for a very long time. She's older now and I guess felt, you know, comfortable playing a nun, but she's best known. Uh, she was on Dream On and uh, on Just Shoot Me and a handful of other things. Very famous, you know, very attractive actress. I think she's in that hot in Cleveland now. Okay. But uh, she's great. She is great in every scene she has in this movie. She is totally believable. Big show on the commentary track on the DVD talked about how he always felt in every scene that she was taller than him, that she just had that much presence. That's great. And so, uh, so this is where the main thing that sets off the entire plot happens. They big show accidentally burns down the orphanage. Yeah. And he, he goes to the bathroom and asks young Henry to keep an eye on things. And this is the point where I would take Henry to a doctor and get him checked out because the entire kitchen goes up in flames, and Henry's oblivious to it. Yeah, Henry he doesn't does. have headphones on. No. He's just playing his Game Boy or, or other handheld device. Right. And unless, unless the big show came back, he, he would have perished. Right, yes. He doesn't hear the crackling of the flames. He doesn't feel the intense heat of the flames, and he's not affected by the smoke of the flames. This child has some serious issues. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it, clearly it was supposed to be a joke, but it's just... It's disturbing because he's a little kid. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was one of those things where it was too far out of reality for me. Yeah. Um, so Eddie goes to the church. He sees Walter. Walter's ridiculously huge. He encourages him to fight. Walter agrees. And then, boom, we're on this wonderful road trip, which is essentially the the main part of the movie. We get a road trip. And as a as a side story to it, we've got we've got Dennis Farina, who's a bad guy, Memphis Earl, who's going after them and just trying to mess things up for them. He's the you know, the villain twirling his mustache. Yeah. And he plays that role well. What about the temple fight? You like the temple fight? Oh yeah! From the moment uh, they walked in, it, it, it was—you um, got a good idea of, of, of how this movie was going to be. And we see another pretty big name actor here. I mean, I mean, wouldn't you know? I mean, not a superstar. Superstar. He's a by, big name. This yeah. is uh, Saul Rabiniak, and I mean, this is a guy you've seen when you look at him. You're like, oh, I've seen him in that. I've seen him in this. I've seen him in the other thing. Very well known for True Romance. Uh, I've seen him in the movie Getting Even with Dad with Macaulay Culkin and Ted Danson. And the reason I remember him so well in this 
is there's a scene where they're they're bank robbers and they're they're rob- they're actually pulling off a jewel heist him and Ted Danson and this other guy and he has this sign that says out of order and he puts it in his mouth and puts some tape up and then tapes it to the thing and I bought it when I was at Disney when I was a teenager they had it for sale at their you know like they have a prop shop there where they sell props for movies and so I bought the the sign that he had in his mouth and it's got his teeth marks all over it Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So anytime I see this guy, I always recognize him. He plays the rabbi in this. He's a great actor. 143 credits between television and film and everything else. I mean, just a fantastic actor. And we've also got one of the greatest fights I've ever seen in a movie between Walter and Sugar Ray Rutherford, the monster of matzah, the kosher killer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is, uh, there's a, a thread throughout this movie. Big Show has the wig on to cover up the fact that, you know, obviously he had the shaved head mm-hmm. at this point, still does. And he also has, um, his tattoos, they, they cover them up throughout this movie. He wears a t-shirt and later, obviously, I hope you've seen the movie at this point, you know, he reveals them. Uh, but this scene, he comes out in his underwear and everybody's kind of shocked and, you know, he he doesn't have any shorts. And so he's going to wrestle in his, in his tidy whities. And when he comes out, he's got one sock way up and the other one's down. And the reason for this, if you look at the big show, when he's wrestling above his boot on his calf, he's got a big old tattoo. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't catch that. So they had to they had to put that sock up there. Also, in the earlier scene, when he's cooking, he's got like that Aunt Jemima type rag. I can only imagine that's the cover. I believe he has a tattoo right on the back of his neck. Okay. Um, and so I think I think a lot of this stuff was done just because it's easier than makeup. You can kind of you know he could wear that rag that kind of hangs down beyond his hairline and cover that up. And in this scene, wear a sock that goes like all the way to his knee, <laughs> higher than his wrestling boots, just yeah. to cover that tattoo up. Ugh. So um, we get a few more scenes as we go along. They, he basically is going to different areas to, to compete in different types of fights. And these aren't necessarily wrestling matches. No. I mean, They're you've just, got like... Uh, anything goes, really. Right. It's like boxing, MMA. It's like all different stuff. Uh, one of my favorites is the backyard wrestling scene, which is the scene with Bobby J. Thompson, who's all over the press for this movie. And you would have assumed that he was one of the kids in the orphanage based yeah. on the amount of time he gets in the advertisements. He has a very small role in the film, but he's fantastic in it. He plays a promoter for this backyard wrestling event. And it's really a cute little part where he's a little kid playing essentially an adult. Yeah, he's Mad Milton, and uh, I guess at the time, he was probably the biggest name in this movie. He was coming off of, you know, role models, and he was on uh, the PlayStation commercials, so having him in this movie was definitely a coup. He also was in the movie Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which stars, and he actually plays the son of WrestleMania 1 main eventer Mr. T. So ah, and the connections he, keep coming. He plays Cal Devereaux to, to Mr. T's Carl Devereaux. Mr. T's the police officer in that. So Bobby J. Thompson, fantastic in this scene. Uh, his dad shows up, and that's who Big Show ends up having to wrestle, which is pretty good. Yeah, and the dad, he tries his best to act uh, outact Bobby J. Thompson. That dad is phenomenal. The dad just comes home, frothing at the mouth, screaming at the top of his lungs. Yeah, and it seems like poor planning on Mad Milton's part. He would host this backyard wrestling event and not 
you know, and do it at a time where there was a possibility for his dad to come home. Uh, it didn't seem like his dad was away on vacation or anything. No, no. I, I assume it was dad, you know, was at work and maybe dad came home for lunch that day. But uh, I think with all the stuff he's got out there, he seems to have a crew. You yeah. know, he seems to have a staff. He's got a lot of money. You'd think you have maybe a security guard down the street to <laughs> check when dad got home. Yeah. And also when the dad is freaking out and frothing at the mouth, Bobby J turns to the crowd and sort of shakes his head like, ah, don't worry about this. It's it's fine. <laughs> Everybody and then the big show kills him. Yes, he knocks him right through the fence. <laughs> and they do one of those movie things where they just cut away from it as opposed to trying to explain it away. Yes. It just he feasibly happened. put this man in the hospital. Right. Big and they show. were able to get back in their car or, or back on the bus and move on to the next town. That's right. Um, we actually go from that to a hospital scene, though. With Eddie's father, you know, who's now in the hospital after dealing with Dennis Farina and Red Rum, his big thug, who who eventually plays up to be the adversary for for Walter at the end of the film. Yeah. And Red Rum is, is murder spelled backwards, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Um, and, uh, and this is an interesting scene, this hospital scene, cause the gag is you're supposed to feel sorry for him. Then you see he's getting like a sponge bath and it's as if he's really into being in the hospital. Yeah. And I think this is very important to what the tone of this movie is. Mm -hmm. What they're saying with this scene is don't be scared for anything that happens for the rest of the movie kids. Yeah. They're, all, yeah. they're also saying Check out the hot woman with the sponge. Don't you wish you were going to get to see that scene? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for everyone. There is a uh, a plot later that involves kidnapping with the kid, with Henry. And I think they're just trying to say, look, don't worry, kids. It's all going to be fine. This is not that movie, you know, mm -hmm. which I like. Yeah. Uh, the next scene, this is the postcard scene where, where Henry's reading the postcard from the big show back at the orphanage. And on the commentary track, Big Show says he recorded this after production was was completed. He recorded this backstage at Monday Night Raw. <laughs> That's great, isn't that? Yeah. And uh, in the in the postcard, he says, you know, we've gone through Kentucky and we saw the grave of Colonel Sanders, which is awesome, by the way. If you ever see pictures of it, Colonel Sanders was the the KFC magnate. He was the guy who created Kentucky Fried Chicken. And before he passed away, years before, he bought a huge plot of land in the cemetery and built the most elaborate shrine to himself with a bust of himself and everything. It is really worth checking out. And so uh, I guess the big show wanted to stop there. Mm -hmm. And he also wanted to stop at the birthplace of the cheeseburger. Uh, why not? We uh, we did a little bit of research on this, and when when you search for birthplace of the cheeseburger, you get a lot of different answers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I, I also think that can somebody really take credit for birthing the cheeseburger? Yeah, it, it is interesting because you you can certainly take credit for creating the hamburger. Yeah, the cheeseburger seems like such a slight variation, but. I got to say, man, I don't know when the last time I had a hamburger was. Yeah. I'm all cheeseburger all the way. <laughs> Tell me about the Pasadena cheeseburger. Oh, uh, well, this is probably the, the, the true origin of the, of the cheeseburger. No, I'm going to say, I'm going to say before you even get there, I would say that the day after the hamburger was created, somebody <laughs> stuck a piece of cheese on it and didn't tell anybody about it. Yeah. Um, 
That's definitely true. Uh, but as legend has it, in 1924, Lionel Clark Sternberger, um, at the age of 16, was experimenting in his, his dad's um, sandwich shop, and he dropped a slab of American cheese on a sizzling hamburger, and he called it a cheese hamburger. I'm surprised he didn't call it a Sternberger. <laughs> yes. Uh, the date is... Uh, According to who you talk to, it was anywhere between 1924 and 1926. Right. So, but this, but this is not the cheeseburger. This is the cheese hamburger. It's you could get into semantics. Yes, I think you could. Now, Louisville, Kentucky, which is where the Big Show and Company went. This, uh, this had a different story. This was 1934. They created the cheeseburger. This was Charles Kalin, and uh, he created it at his restaurant. And he called it a cheeseburger. And he had it on his menu. It said, try Kalen's Cheeseburgers, 15 cents. You'll like them. And that predates the next one, which is 1935 in Denver, Colorado. And they also claim to have invented the cheeseburger. And they also have a marker at their yeah. location. They, they've uh, got was... almost a monument. They've got like a little, <laughs> like a like a big giant tombstone to this restaurant, the Humpty Dumpty Barrel Restaurant, and it says where it once stood. It says that uh, um, the cheeseburger was trademarked by Mister Ballast on March fifth, nineteen thirty five. Here, but there are people that say that that's not true. That there was no trademark patent ever applied for. So the birth of the cheeseburger is unknown. However, what we do know is that Louisville, Kentucky. Where the where Walter claimed to have gone went out of business a year before they made this movie. Yeah, so it's so, so it's either um, either they uh, took a long way out to Pasadena on their way, yeah, all the way back to New Orleans, or it um it's a period piece. That's right. The movie could take place back in time. We don't know what year this was. Maybe that's why the Game Boy he was playing looked so odd to us. <laughs> Just, or it's in the future. And the, and that's why you know it's it's been reopened, it's been reopened. or maybe he just went there just like he went to Colonel Sanders' grave and just looked around, said mm-hmm, 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 like in National Lampoon's Vacation, and then got back in the car and went home. Yeah, because he doesn't actually say whether he ate a cheeseburger or not. It's true. It's very true. Uh, I've seen a lot of people that go to Colonel Sanders' grave. They either eat chicken there or they leave a piece of chicken for him. And I've had so much trouble wrestling in my mind whether that is an appropriate tribute to him or not. And I'm, I'm, I think it is. Oh, so do I. I. I think he'd prefer that you eat the chicken than leave it because... Yes, I, I do think that. I don't think he wants you leaving the bones, though. No. But I think he prefer. I think he would much prefer... There's uh, there's a bench in that area and everything, which I, I assume he, he had built, you know, and put there. I think he'd like you to come there and eat your lunch. Yeah, definitely. As long as it's some KFC. Yeah, maybe some slaw... Yeah. Man, you know, how about those mashed potatoes? Oh, uh, with the gravy, um, um, macaroni and cheese. Goodness, can we can we did, stop so I can go eat dinner? Did you ever get the parfait that they have, that like whipped cream and uh, pudding? Oh, man. Really good. How about, you ever get the biscuits and they give you like the honey and the and the butter? Put the honey oh, yeah. together. Oh, man. All right, all right. There's a movie to talk about here. We've got uh, We've got some crazy... Scenes where Memphis Earl wants to try to adopt Henry. Yeah, and I thought this was great because uh, the, the 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 nun she sees completely past it. She instantly tells that there's something shady about them. Um, he shows up with a with a, a woman who could be his wife and red rum in uh, in a suit. Yeah, for no reason, looking like Brother Devon. 
Yeah. And I, I thought this was great because it really went in a direction I, I didn't think, you know, with the nuns, you know, basically saying this nun is a lot smarter than, than anybody gives her credit for. Yeah. But the kid gets kidnapped anyway. <laughs> yeah. so, so after this, we get this fight at the gas station, which seems like it's just there so they can have some action in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. And this also seems like one of those moments that only happens in a movie. No, totally. You're talking about, you know, that people show up just there to start trouble. Yeah, yeah, and and they're they're normally bikers and you know, I haven't been all around this country yet, but it just seems like these people are just acting acting a fool. Now by this point Big Show's got the shaved head. There's a scene right before this where he's he meets uh, uh Mary's friend and she's a, a former stripper or she is a current stripper and we we kind of get the clue that Mary might be a former stripper. Yeah, they they were they were dancers together. Yes, and so she's like, "I'll give him a makeover," and then she takes him in the other room, and out comes the Big Show with these glorious tattoos. Yeah, the Big Show's uh, tattoos, which she did with a with a paintbrush, with a little paintbrush and some poster paints. She put these tattoos that then stick with him for the rest of the film. Yeah, it's it's amazing work. I I, I think she really should quit her day job. <laughs> Or her night job. And then he goes and wrestles a bear. <laughs> or a guy in a country bear suit. This was great. I love the bear. I yes. The bear stuff was fantastic. I mean, this was, I would like, you know, if you went into this movie and at this point, and, and I, I will confess at this point, it's kind of a lull in the film. It's in the middle of the film. And then all of a sudden a bear shows up. I'm happy. Big shows wrestling a bear. Great. For a short time after this, his merchandise had bears on him. Yeah. He had like a shirt that said uh, uh, Big Show and it had a bear face. And then it said Go Big or Get Lost on the back. And then he had one that was like, you know, the Knockout Cafe or something. Knockout served daily and it had a bear on it. So the bear stuck around for a little while after this movie. Yeah. And what I loved in this scene was there was seemingly no trainer for this bear. Um, Big Show went in the ring. They announced the bear, and the bear came walking out. Yeah, that's it. They just they open the door, they open the chute like at a at a rodeo. Bear comes out. Yeah. The bus ride. What do you think about the bus ride? <laughs> do you think I guess... it goes over the line? This is the scene where the Big Show uses the toilet, and everybody you know has to watch. Yeah. Uh, it, it it was definitely you know a certain kind of humor, and it just seemed like they needed an excuse to not have them on a bus. Yeah, that's true. It does get them off the bus. Um, I Part of it, I, I really like the idea of it because uh, I'm not a big fan of gross-out humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, first of all, you know the target audience, kids, anything about somebody sitting on a toilet is the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> but also, this is something that you could envision happening to that person. How would they use the toilet? Yeah, and and that's actually one thing I think this movie really missed out on is they could have done a lot more of that with just – it's his first time out in the world coming out of the orphanage. He's never left there before, and just – I mean, yeah, he hits his head on a couple of door doors coming in and stuff, but you know, they, they could have showed him trying to use a phone or even how absurd it is for him to do anything. Yeah, it is true. Now, this incident on the bus, Big Show contributed to the script when he was going – through with them talking about things that could happen in the movie, he mentioned that this happened to him on a plane, and he said very much like it does in the movie, he couldn't shut the door. 
oh, uh, no. the plane and had to use the toilet with his legs sticking out into the hallway on a trip to Sturgis for the Road Wild show with WCW. <laughs> and it's it's horrific. I've heard uh, the same story, and not to gross everybody out, so I'll leave a lot to your imagination, which is probably worse. <laughs> uh, but Andre the Giant and Yokozuna, I've heard also couldn't use those bathrooms and so a blanket would be held up so that they could they could and they i've heard couldn't even make it into the john wow yeah not not so good to be a giant no no let's talk about better things craig let's (laughs) talk about jiggles yes jiggles and cadillac margaritas oh man this is a good scene yeah so they finally arrive in new orleans and and um they go out for a night in the town they're all dressed up uh eddie and and uh and Walter in matching suits. Love that. I love that yeah. look. It's very funny. Yeah, it reminded me of twins. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It, it's great. And Big Show's cousin, Kenny George, uh, has a band, and they're called the K- KGB, which I got to imagine is the name of 50 bands across the country. <laughs> sure. And they're performing in this, and they wrote the song for this, and Big Show tweeted this, which is how I know this. Ah, uh, okay. Which is pretty neat. He also mentions it on the commentary track. All right, and that would explain probably why why the band stops, uh, or at least partially explains it. I guess if a giant walks into a big club like that, so you think Kenny George is just like I know that guy? <laughs> I think it was more like, hey, how can we give that band a little bit more screen time? <laughs> I get you, I get you. So, um, so Jiggles challenges Mary to a fight after Mary gets all liquored up. Mary's like, uh, like looking at the, it's actually funny. Cause Mark Feuerstein is over there dancing like a fool. Yeah, and he's there to Jig- dance. What's that? He's there to dance. Yeah, but he, he doesn't dance well. And he's kind of just, you know, uh, you know, just, you know, moving from side to side. And Jiggles is like, you know, he's fine. That's a fine man or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. She basically asks Mary, uh, or compliments Mary on her choice of men. And that's when Mary says, oh, he's not my boyfriend. Yeah. And so Mary, uh, she looks over at him like, I don't get it. She's like, let me see if booze can get it. And so, <laughs> so she goes, boom, put some booze in it. And then all of a sudden, all is good, you know, and she talks to him. She's like, I used to be a stripper. They hold hands and walk on the beach and have another semi-romantic moment. Mm-hmm. I found an interesting fact about Melora Hardin. Okay. She was the second choice to play Jennifer Parker in Back to the Future. The famous story on Back to the Future that a lot of people know is that they originally cast the film with Eric Stoltz. Yeah. And Eric Stoltz was playing the part of Marty McFly. And then they had to recast and they got Michael J. Fox. Well, what happened was in in the meantime, after they broke the first time and then ended up recasting, they hired Melora Hardin to play jennifer parker okay but then they cast michael j fox and she was too tall and all of a sudden claudia wells was once again available so she never got to play jennifer parker but she was briefly cast as jennifer parker in back to the future oh wow i did not know that i never knew that before and that's my favorite movie of all time i've read a lot about the eric stoltz stuff but i never read that and i guess the reason is because she never did it but it is interesting that she was chosen and the problem was that she was considerably taller than michael j fox yeah which is funny because you think they'd be able to work around that and it it is hollywood he is a very short man (laughs) so is tom cruise (laughs) this is why they cast her with the big show um 
Tina comes back. She shows up. She's got some trunks for Walter. They've got the bear on the side of them. Walter is dunking potato chips into milk in this scene, <laughs> which Big Show points out on the commentary track is something he likes to do. Hmm. He says anything is good dunked in milk. You can't argue with that. And he says that everybody should try it. So I will try it right this very moment. All right. What kind of chips you got? Mm, I've got Lay's. Okay. I got to say it's not bad. Really? Okay. It's almost like the chocolate-covered pretzel kind of thing where you've got the, you know, the sweetness of the milk and then you got the saltiness of the of the chip. All right, perfect. I don't know that I would do this regularly and mm-hmm. I would probably need more milk. I had a small amount of milk, so it was hard to dunk. It was more of a throw the chip in my mouth and pour the milk on top of it. But the combo's not bad. I will yeah. I will say you should try this out sometime. Sure. It's a good way to get your daily uh, dose of uh, calcium. <laughs> That's right. And your daily dose of, of, of potato chips. Sure. It gets some nice starch, yeah. So we see red rum a lot during this. You know, uh, uh, they're getting ready for the big fight. Mm-hmm. And red rum is a guy that's physically, I think, imposing enough to face Walter. Yeah. I like this actor. And so then we get to the big finale. We get to the end, the big scene where they where they have this like uh, contest, and it's got a weird start to it. <laughs> well, well, they show up, and they almost do like the karate kid thing where they, they didn't pre-register for the event, and the, the, the guy at the table saying, you didn't pre-register, I, I can't let you in. And Eddie pleads and pleads and pleads, and... The, the Mary makes a big speech about how uh, to the crowd about this is the guy that fought the bear on YouTube. You've seen that, right? And the whole crowd cheers and the guy reluctantly uh, lets them into the into the tournament. But you have to wonder if they didn't pre-register and then they were let in. What did the tournament bracket look prior to that? Yeah, exactly. Before <laughs> this, there must have been someone else that was bumped. Yeah, or somebody was getting a buy, neither of which makes sense. No. It, uh, they shot this scene in the in the like building where they store the floats for the Mardi Gras parade, which is why you see those giant Mardi Gras floats. Oh, that's great. You know what? That's a really cool use of, uh, of the existing space because that was a really cool looking place. Yeah, exactly. Um, we get the fight. There's the storyline with the kidnapping, which reminded me so much of Randy getting kidnapped in No Holds Barred. Yeah, yeah. And in this one, instead of even having the kid escape, they just almost threw their hands up in the air and had um, Dennis Farina show up in the crowd, holding his hand over the kid's mouth and taunting Big Show, saying, you better throw the fight or else it's curtains for this kid. And then he doesn't throw the fight. And the and the cops show up and arrest them, and that's exactly. It. It, it it almost seemed like an unnecessary plot twist. Yeah, there is also a scene here that kind of bugs me. Memphis Earl confronts Mary in the bathroom, and he, he she comes out of the stall and she's like, "Hey, I thought I was in the ladies' room," and he's like, "You are," and he's blocking the sink. And this is just a personal thing with me, but I spend the entire scene going, she's not washing her hands. She can't wash her hands. He's standing in front of the sink. She can't wash. She's got to wash her hands. And he gives her like his business card and everything or, or, you know, a picture of the kid. And and I'm like, she's touching it with the hands and she didn't wash those hands. And then she leaves the room and she hasn't washed the hands, Craig. I never saw her wash the hands. Yeah. I'm hoping uh, that she had, you know, uh, a hand sanitizer in her pocket. Yeah. I hope something because I don't like to know about that. I don't know what was going on in that stall, but whatever it was required some hand cleaning afterwards. Mm -hmm. She wasn't doing up her makeup in there. 
No, no. She was definitely coming out of the stall. And she was in there long enough that Dennis Farina had time to sneak in. Yeah. That's not good. It's not good at all. So Memphis Earl's got him kidnapped. Uh, this kid is Kurt Doss, and he mm-hmm. had a lot of credits prior to this movie, and he has no credits after this film. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he had done a lot of TV work, a handful of movies, and then nothing, nothing. So I don't know what he may. It may be one of those things where he's like in some kind of school at this point and he's going to return to acting in the future or it may be one of those things where he grew up and doesn't want to do it anymore and he's got that fat knucklehead cash now that's right that's right uh big show does say on the commentary track the the co-stars are on with him uh, mark Feuerstein and melora harding and they talk about uh oh he was such a big fan of yours he had your picture all over his room and he's like well he was a bigger fan of john cena um, but he was a big wrestling <laughs> fan, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, well, especially for any kid that age. Yeah. So it, you, you know what was interesting about this kid, though, is when the movie first started, I almost thought that they were doing a big show as a youngster type mm-hmm. angle. Totally. When they first show him in the opening sequences, I assume that's what they were doing. I assumed it was like Nacho Libre, where you see the kid who looks a lot like this kid, yeah, and then he grows up to be Jack Black's character. I thought that was what they were doing. Yeah, it definitely threw me for a loop. So we got a big uh, trophy winning, you know. I mean, nothing here is what you – everything here is what you'd expect to happen. He wins the $100,000. Yeah, how he wins the match, though, was kind of interesting because he doesn't do any of his wrestling stuff. No. He puts Red Rum in in some MMA hold. Yeah, it's some kind of, you know, Kimura lock or something. Yeah, something like The Undertaker would do or something. Yeah, Hell's Gate. Yeah, yeah. Gets him to tap out. Yeah, but no choke slam, no knockout punch, nothing like that, which – I thought it was really surprising. Yeah, it is odd. I, I kind of thought that this movie was going to be about wrestling more than it's about MMA. Mm-hmm. But you get the great ending. You know, they adopt Henry. It's fantastic. Yeah. Walter's moving out. He's lifting a refrigerator over his head. <laughs> Which, you know, there, was, there wasn't a second when I was watching that where I doubted that it was a real refrigerator. <laughs> so this being a WWE film, this was intertwined. The promotion was tied in so tightly to the actual WWE programming. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they actually, this was during the era where they were doing the, um, and I guess they still do on occasion, the, the guest co-host yeah right now they're doing that uh your your guest uh social media ambassador, ambassador right and uh but the, back then it was the 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 ho the co-host or the not co-host the uh wwe guest um star right they call yes. it guest star and you were the general manager yeah the, yeah and this was started because donald trump purchased raw <laughs> just raw not the wwe All right he just purchased raw and he wanted, he's like, I don't believe in GMs. I, I only believe in guest stars. <laughs> and so they had some, they had some tremendous guest stars. Remember Pee Wee Herman was fantastic. Oh, and Bob Barker. Oh, Bob Barker was great doing the whole Price is Right shtick out there. Yeah. But we also, uh, we, and, and some of my favorite ones were the guys that you could tell really, really either liked wrestling or just really, really got into their job that night and yeah. uh, the, the the dude that played napoleon dynamite um oh john Hader, right john he Hader. was great he uh, was the what the blue flame yeah i loved him when he was on he was you know andy kaufman for yeah. this decade i mean yeah. he got out there i wish they'd bring him back 
you know, again and again. I mean, he was so funny. You know, he was. He owned it. Yeah, and he was tag teaming with uh, with the Big Show, and him and the Big Show, he was like, uh, they called their tag team team friendship. <laughs> he was like, let's hear it for friendship. Yeah. Oh, he was so funny. I mean, he was he was a perfect heel, you know, celebrity. Oh, he uh, yeah, and you and 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 that was really great because anytime they get in the ring, you you gotta love it. And on on the June fourteenth, two thousand ten episode, Mark. Uh, Feuerstein was promoting a Royal Pains episode that Big Show was on, and he had a match where he tagged with Big Show as well. Yeah, I never saw this episode of Keeping the Faith. I kind of fell out of watching any time a guest starring role mm-hmm. goes to a WWE guy because they tend to be on for like eight seconds. Yeah. And it's it's usually like so odd. I mean, they used to, I think, have a lot more fun with it. I remember years ago, like when uh, Triple H was on an episode of Pacific Blue after Raw, <laughs> yes. and they actually played the DX music, and he shows up wearing his DX shirt, and then just delivers some lines to the cops, yeah. and then then leaves. And it was totally, you know, like let's throw this in so we can try to keep that audience to continue <laughs> to watching. Yeah, and actually, I I, I do watch uh, Royal Pains. But this episode was actually before I started watching the show, so I, I haven't seen it either. What's the show like? It's uh, a, a Mark Feuerstein and his brother. Uh, they run a concierge medicine a business out on the Hamptons. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, it's a nice so, light show. Yeah, exactly. All right, so Big Show shows up on that show, and so to promote it and to promote the, the future release of Knucklehead, Mark Feuerstein is on. And what happens? Well, um, there was a backstage segment. Uh, the, the one funny thing they did with these guest hosts or guest stars or guest GMs, a lot of the times the show would start and you'd go 30, 40, almost an hour before you actually saw the the guest host. Right. Uh, so quite a ways into this episode of Raw, Mark uh, Feuerstein was backstage talking to the Bella Twins and he was bragging about having the big show on his on his program and he said that they should be on his show. And then Ted, Ted DiBiase barged in and came in with Virgil, and he, and he tries to bribe Mark with a car uh, if he lets Ted DiBiase be the co-guest host. Okay. And then Mark, uh, he says, no way. At that point, the, uh, the big show has come in, unbeknownst to Ted and Virgil, and you know, Mark gets some, uh, some bigger muscles you know, now that the big show's there. Right. And um, he threatens them. So what happens next? He did do like a match in the ring, right? He was at least on the on the apron for a match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the 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 encounter with DiBiase and Virgil leads to a tag team match that night because of course it does. <laughs> and Big Show handles most of the in-ring action. It ends with a choke slam to Virgil. He tags in Mark and then Mark does the worm and gets the pin. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. So Mark Feuerstein gets a gets a win on Monday Night Raw. Yes. <laughs> the uh, the next time they had something like this was right before the opening of the film, October eighteenth. Bobby J. Thompson guest starred. He was the youngest guest co guest host of Raw, guest GM mm-hmm. of them all, and uh, he was on there playing the the new video game that they had out and uh he was he was like being the big show and he's like oh i'm gonna beat the miz take that miz you can't fight me miz and then miz comes in and yells at him calls him a twerp and 
the big show comes in and, and so Bobby gets up and is like yelling at the Miz, you know, and big show's like, why are you so angry? And then they go to the, the, the later portion of the show where big show's going to wrestle and, and Bobby J Thompson gets to do some ring announcing. Yeah. And so he's out there and he goes, he, he, they introduce him, Bobby J Thompson. <laughs> and, Crowd starts booing, which happened a lot at this time for the guest host. A lot of the yeah. crowd didn't like to see him. The weird thing was people at home did. Yeah. So it got a good response in terms of ratings. But for the actual audience, a lot of them were like, look, I don't know who this is. I don't really care about whatever you're promoting. Mm -hmm. So they started booing. Bobby J. Thompson goes, keep, keep it up with the booze. I love the booze. Keep them coming. <laughs> and totally played it like a heel. Yeah, he, it was, he had his heel turn. And then he introduces Big Show, who is, uh, he says is going to lead his team to victory at bragging rights. Cause yeah. this was right before the bragging rights pay-per-view. Yeah. The final bragging rights pay-per-view. Yeah. They haven't done it again since then. And so that came out like the weekend after the movie came out on DVD. Mm -hmm. And tell us about bragging rights. Um, there were a, a bunch of Raw versus SmackDown themed matches on that card, as was the, uh, the theme of that pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. And you had um, tag champs David Otunga and John Cena when he was with the Nexus, uh, defeating Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre. Um, you had Kane with Paul Bearer, defeating The Undertaker in a Buried Alive match. And he was the heavyweight uh, title holder at the time. And then you had Team SmackDown defeating Team Raw in a 14-man elimination tag match. Right. And um, that was the one that the big show was participating in. Yes. And he was Team Raw at the time. Right, and and then the the main event we got Wade Barrett versus Randy Orton and John Cena. I think was the referee, and if John Cena had uh, if Barrett had lost, then uh, then Cena would have been fired, and so yes. Barrett won, but he won by DQ. Yeah, yeah, it was one yep. of those. It was one of those uh, those endings where you know you're like, <laughs> how can this end? How can how can Wade Barrett defeat Randy Orton and win the title? With that, and, and John Cena not get fired, and then you're like, of course, well, they can have a DQ. Right. Yeah, it was one of those. They kept that storyline going. Great storyline, though. I really like the Wade Barrett, you know, when Cena eventually had to join the, the, the Nexus and everything. Oh, yeah. I bought this on DVD. How did you watch this for this review? Uh, I watched it on net Netflix. Now, was this – how many times have you seen this before? Uh, for this program, I watched it for the second time. I watched it. Uh, a couple months ago, back when um, all the WWE stuff was up on Netflix, and then I, I watched it this week uh, in anticipation of the show. Now, I bought this uh, the day it came out on DVD, or at least a day or two after that, and I got it at Walmart, and it came in a package with a DVD called, you know, the WWE's Greatest Knucklehead Moments. And <laughs> so I got this package. I watched the movie once. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, it wasn't the production value was, were, it wasn't as high in production value as some of the earlier WWE film releases. Mm -hmm. It felt lower in budget. Yeah. And I was a little disappointed in that. Uh, but I did like the Knucklehead Moments DVD, which was, it was a, uh, uh like a compilation. It had like Santino and I think Doink is on the cover and Hornswoggle and it's got a bunch of silliness. You've got Santino in a, in a swimsuit contest. You've got Hornswoggle versus Chavo. Remember how many times they wrestled each other? Oh my God. 
You've got uh, Chris Jericho doing the the thousand and four holds he had. Remember with the the famous where he says the uh, the one from Doctor Seuss, the moss handled uh, family gridunza or whatever. Yeah, through a commercial break. Oh, it's great. They go to commercial. They come back. He's like arm lock, <laughs> wrist lock. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got a lot of other silliness. You got the stuff with with Al Snow with with uh, with head cheese. Yeah, and, they uh, some they meat pretty much. Yeah, they could pretty much do one of these DVDs every six months. Oh, my goodness. Well, here's the thing. This one, with one segment with the Bushwhackers, everything else was like Attitude Era and, 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 and beyond. So they were just covering a very small portion. And this really felt like they had just cut these segments from some other DVD, like maybe like the Best of Raw or something. They took like, you know, the part where they're like, hey, we had some wacky moments on Raw too. And they just spliced those together. Very cheap DVD, but yeah. it came free with it if you bought it at Walmart. And, and I enjoyed it. Watch it again for this. It's kind of thing you can sit in. You can throw it in, sit down for, you know, and enjoy it. I mean, there's nothing special about it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Did You Tap? Watching Knucklehead. Okay, yeah. This movie, um, I enjoyed watching it. You know, it 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 it, it entertained me. It definitely entertained me. Uh, I think uh, the actors in it all did a great job. I think Big Show, uh, his natural charisma came through, and I think in terms of wrestling performances, he did an excellent job. I do have to say though that this movie is completely by the book. There is really no moment in it where you don't think that this is just a bunch of professionals making a movie doesn't really feel like it has any real heart to it and unless you're a big sh- uh, a big fan of any of the actors or of of big show i i couldn't recommend this all right so you tapped, tapped out yeah i will tell you i watched it the first time and i remember not liking a lot of it i remember thinking parts were funny but i remember it feeling like one of those movies that starts out great and then gets progressively more mediocre and then by the time it wraps up you you don't really care uh, the second viewing, I did like it more. There were a lot of things I expected the first time around. Like I expected to see Bobby J. Thompson more. Mm-hmm. And I also expected Big Show to be playing a child, as I, as I mentioned. And so I wasn't expecting that stuff this time. I knew what I was getting and I enjoyed it more. Okay. That being said, I really feel the movie kind of falls off the wheels when he shaves his head and shows us his tattoos. <laughs> I almost feel that at that moment and that moment forward, there's some wrestling with a bear. There's some eating potato chips with milk. There's some good stuff. But at that moment forward, the movie goes in the direction I wasn't hoping for it to go. It plays out so much like everything else we've ever seen in this genre. And there's nothing sensational about it. It's fun. I could watch it again tomorrow, but I can't recommend it. And yes, I tap out right when he hits his head on the ceiling fan. (laughs) <laughs> a double tap out. That's right. I do have a tweet. I uh, I, I asked around. I said, you know, if anybody has a uh, anything, you could uh, email me or tweet me. And Tyler Major uh, tweeted me, and I want. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that wrong. It's M A G E R, mm-hmm. and he goes by Gigamunch on uh, on Twitter. And he said, "Great movie. I wish the WWE would do." those kinds of movies more because they have so much comedic talent to work with. And I totally agree with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I totally, I haven't seen breaking the rules yet with uh, edge. Yeah. But I think that this kind of stuff is tailor made for the WWE. And I will say the two of us tapping out is 
not really that much of a reflection on the movie because it's aiming at a very young audience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not at all. And this is a good thing. I mean, I really think that when you have a PG, you know, program, why not sell? I mean, why not? Why isn't there a, a Agent Cody Banks starring Santino? As mm-hmm. the, you know, the secret spy from Italy. I mean, th- this is, you know, comedy is really where they should be going with a lot of these. Yeah, a lot of the stuff almost writes itself. It's so true. Now, the big show had a Twitter account at the time when he did this film. They filmed this about a year before it came out. And so he did a Twitter account then, which was called Number One Knucklehead. He's since started a new Twitter account, which is like WWE Big Show or something. Uh, but I pulled up some of the tweets he did from that time. So here's the first one. I just watched the great Dennis Farina look cool leaning against the wall in a scene from Knucklehead. I wish I could be that cool just once. <laughs> Give me the next one. Sure. Uh, I also saw Lester Spate, a.k.a. Red Rum, devouring a whole bucket of KFC. I keep saying that fat is where it's at. Who really likes abs? So then Lester responded to him and said... By the way, the big show is trying to get me fat, offering brownies at lunch. Hell to the gnaw. I got to keep it sexy for the ladies. Dem, they looked nasty. And by the way, that I'm not, that's not any kind of paraphrasing. I'm reading directly. He spelled day, D-E-Y, and yeah. looked, L-O-O-K-D. So yeah, it was totally phonetic. Uh, yeah. And so then big show comes back with, uh, I know you're at the gym early working on these, those shredded abs. I am headed to IHOP for pancakes, eggs, bacon, grits. You in? LOL. So then Big Show responds to him again. I guess since he didn't respond to the, the, the tweet about whether he wants to go to IHOP with him, he said, keep eating the chicken. Come on, buddy. Join the fat man crew. Yeah. And I guess at that point, Lester was like, you know what? I just have to no sell this guy. <laughs> The next tweet the Big Show put up was, the cast and crew of Knucklehead are incredible. I am making a movie. And then we have 11 exclamation points. What a great experience, period. I would have been, I'm making a movie, period. What a great experience, 11 exclamation points. Or maybe spread them out across the two sentences. Yeah. So what's the next one that went out? Good morning. I'm doing a big stunt today in a church that is over 200 years old. I hope we have good insurance. The next one he put out was, if everyone could see the costume I am wearing for the scene, even I'm a little inc- uncomfortable and I wear spandex for a living. I'm assuming this is the opening scene where he's the fairy woman. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, also, I actually thought it could also be the scene where he's uh, he's going to wrestle in his tidy whitey. Oh, it could be that. It could be that. Definitely. Um the final tweet he put up uh, that I have here is finished knucklehead today. What an awesome experience. What a great group of people I got to work with. Sad to see it end. And he was, and then he shortly after he stopped using that account, started up the new account. Yeah. Now, do you think when he tweets, he does the, the Andre, the giant type of uh, thing where he probably uses a pen or a pencil or a stylus of some kind? I will tell you this. It's interesting you ask that. Okay. Uh, He had people ask him about typos he would make, and he said his fingers are very fat for the BlackBerry, and it is is very difficult for him to type. Sure, it's tough for me to type on a BlackBerry. Yeah. I don't know if maybe they make a special bigger BlackBerry, but he still says he has trouble with it. 
I met the Big Show once. Okay. And I, I met him at the Freehold Mall in, in Freehold, New Jersey. And he was doing an autograph signing. This was back when he had first started with the WWE, still had the long hair. And he showed up about 15 minutes late, which was not a big deal for wrestlers, especially for the autograph signings. I think they wanted to build the lineup. And so about 15 minutes late, he showed up. And the thing about that, usually when they would show up late is they'd walk right by everybody, which is really cool because you got to see Big Show standing next to you, which was especially cool because he did his photos sitting down yeah. and you didn't get the real feel of how massive he was. But when he walked right next to us, it was great. And he was holding three large pizzas <laughs> and then he sat down and i thought i wonder who he's gonna give these other pizzas to sure and he then took one slice put it on top of another slice and he ate that in three bites whoa <laughs> i'm not kidding first bite was half of the slice of pizza Second one was the, you know, if you took the slice of pizza, it's triangle. So the bottom half of the triangle and then the other two corners of the triangle. And then there was no more triangle. Goodness. Uh, it was amazing. And this was two slices of pizza in three bites. Wow. Yeah. Phenomenal. Just a huge human being. So overall, I wouldn't mind uh, seeing him do something else. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he could play you know, both comedy and possibly an action film. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of tough, but I guess if the right role is written for somebody that big, I mean, Big John Studd did do a little work in action films and I guess Nathan Jones has and a few other people. So I guess you sure. could, if cast right, you could have somebody that big, but I think comedy really is his strength. He was fantastic on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that was, was The Rock the host of that? That's yeah. SNL. I was trying to remember. Yes. The Rock okay. was the host. And there's a great scene at the beginning of that episode where Vince is talking to all the wrestlers. And he's like, look, if we're going to be on TV. We can't have any of the old shtick. You know, we can't do anything, you know, to mess this up for The Rock. I know you guys don't like The Rock, but you got to play along. And each one of the wrestlers is like, you know, I don't I don't want to play along, you know, and whatever. And they leave. And Big Show's just sitting there smiling. And then Big Show walks away and he's holding a chair behind his back, you know, like he's got the chair all ready to whack the rock. Yeah. Uh, he was great. I remember him just being really funny on that. Yeah, that's basically my my main memory from that episode. I haven't watched it in years, probably since it aired. And yeah. all I remember is, is the Big Show, which is, I guess, a good thing or at least speaks to his ability as a comedic actor. Yep. Well, thank you for joining me on this one, Craig. Always a pleasure. We've got a special show next week, so until that time, this has been Camel Clutch Cinema, the show where we talk about films that have wrestling or wrestlers in them, and we will see you next time. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I gotta take a crack. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. How it controls is John Triton. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now, I mean it! Anybody want to feel it? What's that smell? Down goes Jimmy King! Oh my god, a four-post massacre! No one can survive this! This isn't even a pay-per-view! Alright, uh, you know what, let me actually throw this in. I always wonder... Uh, when you're in a like public restroom that you're not used to and you hear like sounds that could be women's high heels if you're in the wrong bathroom.
Oh, wow. did you ever do that? Where like you hear a man that's got like uh, like you know like like dress shoes on, and so you hear that clickety clack, and you crane your head around real fast, like oh my god, and they're like, no, there's a urinal here. I'm safe. Yeah. This is they are in the wrong room if they are, but I am in yeah. the right room. Yeah, that's I, I actually I've done that quite a few times, and you know in public places where I haven't been to the, the bathroom before, and I'll go in and I'll instantly worry that I went in the wrong door, and then I'll. See the urinal and I'll come. It's the urinal. See, I don't know what women, what the alternative is. I guess they look around, they're like, no urinal? All right, I'm safe. But I, if I go into the men's room, if the urinals are on the other side of the stalls, I back up and look at the door again. Yeah, yeah, no, I've done that. I, I often will read the door as I go in. I'm like, men, just want to make sure that I saw it right. 